for time in the upper room. I know, again, a number that are sick and missing today, but we will dismiss, and the Duncans will be working with them in the upper room. As you're turning to Proverbs chapter 4. Came across a poem the other day, which uh, dealt with, um, actually dealt with a time, you remember when, uh, oh, I hate to even use this name, Hillary Clinton <clears throat> wrote a book uh, called It Takes a Village and was emphasizing and focusing on that. Someone wrote a poem, came across it this week, I thought I'd share it with you, uh, maybe just because it it, um, uh, it really brings out what's going on, I think, in our world and what we see around. It takes a village, so we're told, to raise a child today. It takes a village, we reply, to steal his heart away, to purge old-fashioned do's and don'ts from his enlightened mind, to leave old-fashioned ma and pa a hundred years behind. It takes a village, verily, to teach some mother's son to steal and gamble, smoke and swear and vandalize for fun, his mother didn't teach him that. His father, no, not he. It takes a village to corrupt, a village verily. It takes a village, this we know, to teach the maiden sweet, to dress and act, to look and talk like women of the street. It takes a village, not a doubt, to teach a maiden mild, to save the monkeys, owls, and whales, and kill her unborn child. It takes a village, public school, some subtle classroom chats, to teach the little boys and girls to act like alley cats, to teach them of the birds and bees without morality, to teach them what to do and how and tell them they are free. It takes a village, yes indeed, to brainwash all youth with notions and with fallacies in place of sense and truth. Abortion rights, the right to die, the right of animals, creative spelling, unisex, the rights of criminals. It takes a village, well we know, to turn their minds away, to stand for fancied children's rights and parents' rights deny, to honor human nature less and trees and rivers more, to sacrifice to Mother Earth, yet Father God ignore. It takes a village, so they say, but something more they mean. United Nations, Washington, the liberal machine, Society, the brave new world, the socialist scheme, the global ideology, the new world order dream. The article that shared that poem concluded, it takes a village idiot to believe that a family needs instruction from a government to raise a child. What does it take to raise a child? A little common sense? Sure. But really... All it takes is common sense in a Bible. And the answers are found here. The one who made life in the first place knows how to instruct us about life. The one who designed marriage and designed families in the first place, who said be fruitful and multiply to the first couple that he made because it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. When God did that, God also gave instructions in parenting and gave responsibilities. Now, the world rejects Bible truth. It mocks Bible truth, constantly comes out with experts contradicting what God says about all areas of life. But the Bible has the instructions we need, and it has the guidelines we need, and it has the help that we need in order for families to be what they ought be for the glory of God and people to turn out right. And, you know, quite frankly, a lot of things in that, uh, in that poem are very true, what's been going on in our world and what we see in the world around us. And we need men and women who are committed to this task of rearing children to fear God and to love his word. And I'm so thankful, as I've already said this morning, but I really am thankful that there are men today who seem to be doing that very thing instructing their children in God's way, not trusting the, 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 the village, not trusting others, but taking the responsibility seriously that God has given to them. And today, I want to challenge you about that a little bit further. I want to encourage you in that matter, and I want you to remind you as well that uh, what we're going to see and what we learn is not just for dads, quite frankly. 
anything that God teaches about the home is important for moms to know as well because there are responsibilities that both have in the rearing of children that we are, uh, that we are talking about and that we'll focus a little bit on today. In fact, Proverbs chapter 4 starts with instruction to children. Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not and she shall preserve thee. Love her and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom and with thy getting get understanding. Exalt her and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace. A crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened, and when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. My friends, the lives of many people today are being ruined by a village, teaching them to go the way of the world and the way of sin. What your family needs, what your children need, are parents who will teach them the way they ought to go, like Solomon sought to do in the book of Proverbs. And today from Proverbs chapter 4, I hope you'll be challenged as we will look at a number of words that start with the letter P that will help you to ponder the truth that we can glean there in regard to the home and parenting. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you that it gives us direction and instruction for life, and I'm thankful that you've given me the privilege this morning to open the Bible that has hope, that has direction, that has specific instruction, and to preach it. And I pray that today, dads would be encouraged and urged and, and exhorted from the word of God. I pray for the same from mothers. I pray that children would understand in this passage that there's a responsibility that they have and that this would be a day where people make the decision to do right, to live right, and perhaps maybe stem a little bit the flow of of wickedness that we see evidenced in the world around us, a world that so desperately needs Jesus Christ, that desperately needs morality, that desperately needs the change that your word can make in their life. And we'll thank you for what you'll do and how you'll help us. We pray these things and ask them in Jesus' name. Amen. There's no doubt that Proverbs chapter 4 was written to children. It was written by a father, a father to his children, at least we see at the beginning. And then a little bit later, he says, hear, O my son. So he was specifically dealing with some things. Now, some people might say, well, he was speaking metaphorically. Uh, perhaps so, but it's interesting. If you were to study the book of Proverbs, you would find that he uses the term my son a number of times throughout the book. But what is intriguing to me, and I guess I had never seen it before as I was studying through this book, is that in the first seven chapters, some 15 or so times, you'll see the phrase or the statement, my son. You won't see it again until chapter 19. From chapter 19 and on through the end of the book, I think there's five, six, or maybe seven more times where this matter or the my son is mentioned. And so it seems like the book of Proverbs is almost in three sections, at least in regard to the home where he deals with the home and the family, and he says to my son in the first seven chapters, here are things you need to know. Over and over he says that. And then he kind of leaves that. He gives us a number of Proverbs that fall in the middle, starting in chapter 10 specifically. We have all these maxims for life. And then at the end, as he gets back to more, if you would, longer uh, instructions in regard to life, he gets back to his son and says, my son, here's what you need to know. My son, this is what you need to do. So 
Proverbs chapter 4 is in the section where he is instructing his children. And this morning, it would be a great message for children. But there's not that many in here this morning, and we sent them all out. So we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 4 and learn some things that mom and dad need to know. And these words that we're going to bring up are, are basically found in what he does in his instruction here in Proverbs chapter 4. And I hope you will find that it's very helpful this morning as we kind of dig at it and look at it from a little different perspective. Not so much what does a son need to do, but what does a father need to do and what can we learn from Solomon and how he practices um, good parenting in Proverbs chapter 4. And good parenting isn't sending them off to, for a village to take care of. Good parenting is a dad and a mom doing what God has called them to do. First, I want you to, the first word is plan. The first word is plan. Now, we know from the start, again, this chapter is a father seeking to instruct his child in wisdom and truth. So we can't say this passage was written to give us a plan for parenting, but what Solomon shares here is, that, is what God actually laid out for parents to do back when he wrote the law. In fact, just take a moment to do it. I know you're familiar with it, but turn to the book of Deuteronomy, would you, for a moment? We're going to come back here, but I want you to just see the instruction God gave in the law as he was dealing with and helping dads understand their great responsibility given to them by God. God has a plan. God has something in mind, and Proverbs chapter 4 bears that out because Solomon is actually fulfilling his plan in the chapter. He's doing what God has told him to do. Well, what has God instructed? What is God's plan for a parent in regard to their children? Deuteronomy chapter 6 lays that out. As he was talking about, about the fact that they needed to know God, he said in verse 6 of Deuteronomy 6, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. So God's plan is first that dads, specifically he's talking to fathers here, that dads would have in their heart the law of God, the truth of God, the word of God, and that they would make that part of their life, that they would practice it. And then once it's practiced, God's intent was this, verse 7, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. And so he said, hey, look, look, as you come to and as you're going to enter into the promised land someday, here's your responsibility, dads. First, the word of God needs to be part of your life. The law of God needs to be something you're practicing and you're fulfilling in your own life. But then he said, look, here's the plan. Teach it. And to teach it how? Not passively, not every once in a while, but he said to teach it diligently. And so that is the plan laid out. And if, if you go to Proverbs chapter 4, actually Proverbs 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7, in those seven chapters as he keeps saying, my son, my son, my son, my son, you see a man who understood the plan. You see a guy who understood the picture. And what's interesting, take a look. Go back to Proverbs chapter 4, if you would. Because when he says, Hear ye children, the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding, and then gets into some of the things that he has done and what they, what they need to know, notice what he says in verse 3. I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. And what does he say in verse, in verse 4? What are the first four words? Say it with me. He taught me also. If you go to Deuteronomy 6, I believe Deuteronomy 4 as well, you go to Deuteronomy 6 and you, you see and you see reference to a father teaching his son and then the son as he grows up and has children teaching his son and such. And we see actually the plan being perpetuated in Proverbs chapter 4. So he could say, son, children, listen, I've got instruction for you. He says, I, I want you to know this instruction isn't mine. It's not my ideas. But my father taught me. My, my father taught me all these things in, in the word of God. That's where I learned it from. And, um, and we could say he, he, uh, he learned it from God. 
Uh, yes, we could say he learned it from his father as well. And God's plan and God's design and God's idea is that this is how it's supposed to happen. Look, a village isn't to raise children. It's not their responsibility. Now, there are other people that can be involved in this instruction. God has given the church the responsibility to help train people in the way that they should go. That involves children. It involves adults. It involves all ages. So the church can be involved in that, but the church isn't the only one that's to be involved in that. Dads, look, you need to have a time where you instruct your children in Bible truth, and they need to hear it from dad. Moms, you need to be instilling Bible truth in your children. And if you don't see it there in Proverbs chapter 4, and you don't necessarily, notice if you would, go back to chapter 1 of Proverbs, and you'll notice, my son, hear the instruction of thy father, the, the words in verse 8, and forsake not, what? The law of thy mother. Now, that's not, you know, wash your hands before you eat. Okay? The law of the mother would have been, in many ways, the same instructions that dad would give. What he's talking about are the things that they taught them. Mom and dad both taught them in the word of God. So Bathsheba taught Solomon truth. And Solomon's wife was involved in teaching truth. And so was Solomon. He saw it as a responsibility. This is God's plan. It's right. It's the way the world is supposed to run. And today, quite honestly, here's what's happening. And it's sad, and this is why we're in the shape we're in in many cases. It's being, it's being forked over to, if you would, passed on to school, it's being passed on to church. It's being passed everywhere else. And, and moms and dads, sadly, are not teaching their children. I don't want to force my kids to go to church. I don't want to force my kids to, to, uh, to, to follow a certain, certain pattern. If you don't, someone will. Someone will instruct them. And my friends, it's our job. And Solomon did that in this passage. And he shares with us, at least we can see, the plan that God has laid out that God expects us to follow. Something else about this that we can learn, going back to chapter 4. It was very personal. The second word is personal. So there's a plan. The plan is for a father to instruct his son and his son to instruct his children and then to perpetuate that for forever. And by the way, Grandparents are involved, and they're supposed to be instructing and taking advantage of opportunity to instill in their grandchildren Bible truth as well. But in verse 1, we see something about this. It was very personal. It was directed individually. Now, the chapter starts, and it's almost like Solomon's sitting with his family at, the, at a family altar. I, I know that wasn't necessarily what they had, and we're not told that. But I almost get that picture. And he says, hear ye, children, the instruction of a father. Now, again, uh, just a few verses later, he says, Hear, O my son, but it's very personal in nature. The whole, the whole book is, or at least a great portion of it, is very personal. My son. And this guidance given wasn't intended for the masses. It, it was intended individually, where dad would sit down and instill truth in his kids. It's personal. Look, uh, that... The personal touch today is, is being lost in many ways. Uh, it seems like we, we just hope that children are getting it because they're sitting in a classroom and a teacher is teaching them. We hope that they're getting it because we homeschool and they have to memorize Bible verses and they have a Bible class. We hope they're getting it because they're hearing it in so many different places because we have them at church. But it's supposed to be individual. It is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a parent reading the Bible as a family. A dad talking of it when, when they're out together and they're out fishing. And a dad talking about Bible truth. Um, when a situation comes up at home or some, something happens in the workplace or, or something happens when you're in the store and a child is disobedient. It's a time when, it, when there's instruction that's supposed to be done. It's very personal in nature. And I love Proverbs because Proverbs is very personal. It's here, you children, the instruction of a father. It's like, it's like, hey, look, I care for you. I'm your dad. And I want you to know this truth. 
and you need it. It was directed individually. Uh, I, we've already brought out this fact, and, and I didn't have, I don't know if I had the numbers right. Fifteen times in the first seven chapters, he says, my son. Eight times from chapter 19 on, eight more times, he uses the term, my son, my son, my son. I would suggest your children need a personal touch. Not only do you need to believe it, not only do you need to practice it, not only do you need to love it, but your children need to know it and they need to hear it from you. Now, um, as, a, as a pastor, I am more than happy when I have opportunity to talk with and to work with and help someone that may need some, some guidance. But listen, it really does need to come from mom. And it needs to be heard in the home. I am so thankful for a dad who saw the responsibility to do that individually. By the way, not only when we talk about it being personal, it should be done individually, but persuasively and passionately. I mean, I don't know. This guy, he was very passionate. Um, he's pleading with his son. The language gives us that idea many times. But uh, just take a few moments and, and look, if you would. Look in chapter 23. I told you, again, the beginning and the end of this book. And we'll look at a few different places. But in chapter 23, notice the, the passion that he sh and, and the heart he shares. Look at verse 15. My son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. Do, do you see the, the, the heart of this guy? Look, he, he's, he's, not, he's not just saying, okay, kid, here's what the Bible says about this. Do it. He's saying, son, if you, will, if you will instill these things in your life, I'll tell you what, it'll be the joy of my heart when I see you doing it. And so he's persuasive. Look in verse 26 of chapter 23. My son, give me thine heart. Let thine eyes observe my ways. This had to be written early on. Okay, we know Solomon, don't we? had to be written early on but do you see the do you, do you kind of feel the passion of a father here just it's it's almost as if and the first seven chapters are that way it's almost as if i'm begging you listen to me i've got instruction for you you need this it's very personal in nature individual and it was very passionate or very persuasive look in chapter 27 and in verse 11 My son, be wise. <laughs> well, why do you want me? Why do you want me to be wise? That make my heart glad. Because when people reproach me, to be able to to be able to look at my son and to see that my son is doing that which is right will just rejoice my heart. Um, what a what a wonderful that he spoke. It was very personal, individual, persuasively, passionately. Here's a guy who desperately wanted his son to do right, and he expressed that to him. By the way, I, I think this is real true. Sometimes you can just, you can just get into a, a pattern of this is what we do. We read the Bible. We pray as a family. We go to church, and we forget the passion behind it, gentlemen. Um, we lose, we lose that fervency and that real love and passion for God and that affects our home. So dads today and moms, make it personal. God has a plan, but God didn't just plan that you sit down and say, let me share with you Bible doctrine. Why are we Baptists? God, God said he wants you to instill it in their, in their heart. And we need to make it very personal. It needs to be, number three, principled. Go back to Proverbs chapter four. We can discern the plan. We, and we saw it observed in, or at least Solomon mentions it, my father taught me and this is what I'm doing as well. We saw that it was very personal. We find here that Solomon's work with his family was principled. Uh, let me explain that. Have you ever noticed that dads love to teach their children Usually what they like. Come on, come on, let's be honest about it. All right, if you're, um, uh, my dad, oh, now I'm going to give him the bad side. My dad, 
uh, never fished a day in his life. I don't believe I ever saw my dad with a fishing rod in his hand in my life. He never did. I've only been fishing maybe three or four times, I think, probably in my life. There's a reason for that. It's because my dad didn't grow up that way. He didn't fish. So, yeah, I know how to put a worm on a hook. And, yes, I've been out a few times. Uh, but it was always someone else. Never, never would my dad say, oh, you just missed out on life. Okay, maybe I, maybe I did. But my dad wasn't a total failure either. Okay, my dad loved sports. In fact, he played uh, kind of what you would think of uh, single-A baseball uh, in his day. Uh, really probably would have wanted to uh, continue on, but uh, he was basically told that he wouldn't make it to the pros. Uh, so he loved baseball. Uh, played second base, was a, a pretty good baseball player. I can tell you, let me tell you what we did all the time. We were out in the yard throwing the ball around. So dad didn't take me fishing? No, he didn't because that's not what his passion was. But he loved baseball. And so we were out there throwing the ball around. All the time. I can't tell you how many wiffle ball games we played in our backyard. I mean, we had, we had the, um, uh, oh, we had wonderful fences. Um, our picnic table and the chairs made a fence along the back of the, back of the yard for our home run fence. You've got to have a home run fence when you're playing wiffle ball. You know, those are all things. And it was always, unfortunately, I was the youngest, right? So it was always my two brothers versus... Dad and I, we always lost. Uh, man, and I think I told Dad I hated him playing on my team once. I, you know. Kids. I'm sorry, Dad. Okay. But the truth is, Dad taught me what he was passionate about, what he loved in the matter of sports. And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Some of you are Maybe you've been out fishing. You've gone fishing numerous times because your dad has a passion for that. You'll see kids in sporting, uh, playing sporting leagues and other things like that because their dads were involved in sports. If a dad sits and watches uh, football games all day on Saturday during the, during the fall when the NCAA football season is on and his team is playing, guess what the son is probably going to end up doing during the season? And look, that's not necessarily sinful. That's not necessarily wrong or anything else because you teach what you love, right? Okay? But they need to hear the word like that. And your kids need to hear it from you. And they need to see you have a love for that. And... Um, Here's the thought that came to mind. What you love, you, you, you teach. And dads need to love God. And moms need to love God. And that's what we need to instill in our kids. It was principled. It was principled. Um, he taught, look in verse 2. For I give you, what was it? Just us today, all right? Good doctrine. It's principle. Good doctrine. Now, I, I told you, Dad instilled a love for sports. I, we went to Yankees games. Went to Red Sox games as well. <clears throat> we went to Muzzy Field. Triple A baseball. And we would go, because my dad also taught me to be cheap. We would go after the fourth inning, because after the fourth inning, they let people in free. So we went to Muzzy Field all the time. Dad would say, the lights are on at Muzzy. The game's already started, so let's go. By the time we get there, it'll be the fourth inning. We can go free. And if it wasn't the fourth inning, if it was a third because it was a long start to the game, we'd wait till the fourth because it was free when the fourth inning started. But I'll tell you, Dad didn't just instill love for sports or things he enjoyed in that way. He, he, he taught us the Bible so that most every day, after supper, as a family, we pulled out a Bible. Dad read the Bible. We said Bible verses together. We memorized scripture. He had Bible memory. BMA was the program that was available then. He had books, and we as a family memorized scripture after scripture after scripture, saying verses 20 times out loud, uh, and, and, uh, and he would... 
have it maybe in front of us, and then we would take it away, and we would just say it over and over. And he found if you repeated it 20 times, and you did that every day for a week, in general, you would learn a verse, and we would learn a verse a week, and we'd go on and memorize, and then he would review. And those were all things that Dad taught, because Dad understood that, uh, that we needed to know good doctrine. And, and quite frankly, I, I think about it, I remember at college, going to college, and honestly, many of my Bible classes were not challenging. And it wasn't because they weren't teaching information. It wasn't that they weren't instructing people. It said I had been taught, and I had been taught well. So that there's students sitting next to me, you know, guys that, it had been saved maybe a few years, some maybe all their lives, but hadn't been taught it, and they were like swimming in, in New Testament survey. And I'm like, I don't even need to study for this. And it was because a dad taught good doctrine. Now, I'm not here just praising my dad. I, I'm, I'm here giving you a, a challenge that I sought to do as well with our kids that Solomon was doing here. He gave good doctrine. The kids need to hear it. They need to hear it from you. Look, if you went in verse 11, I have taught thee in what? So not only was it good doctrine, it's principle, right? Then he taught him in verse 11, the way of wisdom. Imagine receiving two sets of distractions for a trip. One is short, direct, and appears to be the best route to take. The other seems to take you out of the way, a way you don't wish to go. It seems longer, and it's harder to take. Which one do you go on? Oh, come on. Which one do you go on? You know, yeah, the shorter one. That's right. Okay. You choose the easy way, the one that appears to be the right way, the one that appears to be the best way. You find out as you wander down this road, there's lots of obstacles. There, there's traffic jams and other things that, keep, things that keep popping up and make the way extremely difficult. And what appeared to be the best, the fastest, the easiest was the worst possible way you could go. You ever done that? Come on, you made that decision before. Okay, I'm going to turn off. I'm going to go down this road. And then it's like, oh, why did I do that? I think every vacation we've ever had. I think we've done that once at least somewhere. Do you know wisdom has a way? And sin has a way. And the truth is, your children, all the time, just like you, are going to have two ways they can go. The wisdom way or the sin way. And someone needs to tell them that what looks the easiest and looks the best and looks the fastest and looks the shortest is not always the best way. And sometimes the path that looks the hardest is indeed the path it should go. It's the right path, the wisdom way. And your kids need to know that, and they need to hear it from you. I have taught them in the way of wisdom. Hey, son, this is the way to go. There's a wrong way and there's a right way. And there is a wrong and right way today. Oh, man, whatever you think. No, it's not whatever you think. It's what God has said. There is a wrong way. There is a right way. There is a wrong path to take. There is a right path. And there is a way which seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. Solomon wrote that twice in the book of Proverbs as well to remind us that there are wrong ways to go in life, but there are right ways. And a dad has a responsibility to teach his son there's a wise way, son, go down it. That is so desperately needed. Alexander McLaren was commenting on this verse in verse 11, and he said this, sin is the stupidest thing in the universe for it ignores the plainest facts and never gets what it flings away so much to secure. Wisdom has a way, sin has a way. You must make a choice, and what Solomon taught his son was the right way. When he says he taught him, that's an interesting word. It can mean to flow as water or to throw an object, but figuratively it means to point out or instruct. And I almost get this idea that his son came to ways, and as his son came to ways, um, his dad would just point, there's the right path. 
and and yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. Um, so often that's what my dad did for me, and I'm thankful for that. There are a number of times as I got older, I asked dad questions because I I I knew he would seek to give me right right counsel. Rarely did I ever ask him a question where he didn't give me a Bible verse. Rarely as an answer. And then he would say, after he gave the Bible verse, think about it and do what God would have you to do. You know what he was doing? Here's the wisdom way, son. Here's the wisdom way. You got a couple of paths, I know. Just want you to know the wisdom way. It's up to you to make the choice, but there's the wisdom way. Dads, I, I, I know, I know, because I'm there. I want to make my kids walk it. I, I can't, but I can tell them what the way is. I can tell them where it is. And that's what a dad is supposed to do. It was, uh, it was direct. It was, it was very clear. It was, um, it was principled good direction, wise ways. Look in verse 11 again. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths, righteous paths. He taught his child what to do, do what was right in any given situation. Now, if you look in verses 14 and 19, and we don't have time to do it, but you notice there is another path, right? In verse 14, enter not into the path. What path? The path of the we can, don't go in the way of evil men. Son, there's other paths. I know that. But I taught you in the right paths. You know, I don't want to force my child to do anything. You're not forcing your child when you say, here's the right path. You're going to go down it now. Someday when you have to make the decision, it's my prayer, you'll make the decision to go down the right path when you're on your own. But for now, you're going to go down the right path. Oh, I got the wrong kind of friends. Well, you know... He just needs to learn to stand for God. No, if he's got the wrong kind of friends, you need to instruct him in the way that's right and tell him that those friends are not the ones you're going to have while you're in my home because there's a right path. It was pointed. Uh, it was pointed. That's, that's another, another letter for you there, principled, but it was pointed. You can't get any more direct instruction than the book of Proverbs and more pointed instruction. Let me tell you something. I, I've taught on Proverbs five, six, and seven. We went through it as we were as we're studying the book of Proverbs. In chapters five, six, and seven, quite honestly, there, there's just sometimes you almost want to blush when you really get into the depths of the matter of moral purity. I mean, there's some things in there that are just just hard to really be clear and pointed about without like it's a little difficult. This instruction was very pointed. And I, I, you say, well, where's that in chapter 4? I think in chapters, verses 23 to 27, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. He talks about his heart. Then he says, put away from thee a froward mouth. Talks about the mouth and lips. Then he talks about his eyes looking right on. And he talks about the path of his feet and his ways being established. Don't turn to the right hand or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. So he said, I'm going to talk about the whole man. I'm going to give you a real pointed instruction. You need this for life. This is what you need to know. And it's great. You know, people read a proverb a day. Some do it with the corresponding day of the month. You say, why do they do that? Because in short statements, Solomon gives pointed, direct information about the right way in life. And it's helpful. It's helpful. You can't read a chapter in Proverbs without finding something to do, something to know, something to practice. It is so pointed. It's candid. It's clear. This is what you need to do. This is how you deal with this. This is what you need to do in this situation. And this is how you need to act. Here, let me tell you about what you need to do with your heart and your eyes and, and, your, and your hands and your feet. What are you supposed to do in life? It is very, very pointed. But let me also say this. It's practical. You, you know why some, some children don't know or, or don't follow what's right? is because it, it was never taught on the standpoint of here's what you need to do and here's how you apply it to your life. And a lot of preaching, by the way, I think sometimes misses that. 
Now, some is intensely that way and maybe even too much so. But, but a lot of preaching sometimes is just up here and it's just information and there's not practical, this is what you need to do with it. Take a moment. Just look with me. Look in chapter 6. We've, we were uh, reading here. In fact, we mentioned this as we were dealing with the matter of pride. My son, if thou be surety for thy friends. See that in verse 1? If thou hast stricken thy hand, uh, hand with a stranger. All right, here's that, my son. So here he comes and he says, if. Now, now I don't know if you've done this. I almost kind of think he's, his son had, had just done it or something like that. And, and, and so Solomon's sitting here saying, oh, I got to let him know that that wasn't the right decision. So my son, if you've done this, if you've ever done this, then look at verse 2. You're snared with the words of your mouth. You're taken with the words of your mouth. Wasn't the right decision. It was the wrong one. In fact, maybe his son was realizing that. So, my son, let me tell you, if you, if you're surety and you've you've been caught in this, you, you've gotten into something you shouldn't have gotten into. All right, you shouldn't have. But that's what a lot of times. I told you. I told you that would happen. Yeah, yeah. Here you go. Gonna face the consequences of it now. But don't you love this? It's practical. Look at verse 3. Okay, so if you've done this, son, I'm not just going to rebuke over it. Do this now, my son, deliver thyself. When thou art come into the hand of thy friend, go humble thyself, make sure thy friend. Don't give sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids. Deliver yourself. Okay, do you see how intensely practical this is? It wasn't just, don't be surety. By the way, that's, that's the way independent fundamentalists do. Don't be surety. Okay. But what if you are? And what if you did? And what do you do now? And so he said, if, if you did this, if you made this mistake, then let me give you the answer. Here's what you need to do now. Isn't that, isn't that good? You know, they tell us that a lot, of, a lot of children are not continuing on in their parents' ways. Um, and maybe, maybe part of it gets back to the fact that we never, we didn't make the word practical. It was always just something we taught and facts that they could quote because they could say thirty verses at vacation Bible time. But it never became something where we said, "Okay, if you're surety, then here's what you need to do: go right now, right now. Don't don't put it off." Before the day is done, go and make it right and go and humble yourself and say, I blew it. I made a mistake. I need to get out of this. And so we have uh, the word uh, intensely practical. And then I put the word patterned. Now, this point isn't exactly pictured in Proverbs chapter 4, although we could argue that this truth was patterned in his father. It actually was one of the my son verses at the end of the book which challenged me. So turn, if you would, back to chapter 23, would you? Chapter 23. And I already made reference to the verse, but look, if you would, in verse 26. My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. Um, I, I told you I had a hard time with these words. I, I do. Proverbs had to be written very early in Solomon's experience because the Bible tells us in 1 Kings chapter 11 that his wives stole his heart away from God and he ended up worshiping idols and he ended up building, uh, building uh, different temples and, and putting up idols for his wives and they turned his heart away from God. Solomon was not a right example. It's obvious at this time, though, when he writes this, he could say, look at my life and follow it. When I read the book of Ecclesiastes, when I ponder the failure of Solomon morally, 700 wives and concubines. Oh, we're not supposed to say that in public, are we? 700 wives and concubines. 
It's hard to see him make a statement like this to his son. But it had to be that early in life, he could say, son, I'm walking in the truth and I'm encouraging you to do the same. Um, men, we need to live in such a way that if children follow our example, we'll end up doing the right thing. If your child is just like you, mom, dad, if they're just like you, will they do the right thing? Will they go the right way? It's a searching question, but it's an important one to ask. It needs to be patterned. We need to live in a way that if people follow our example, they'll be doing the right thing. Years ago, a book had this story. It said a farmer and his family, after a hard year of typical farm work, were rewarded with an unusually fine crop of grain. Things looked good. They were obviously uh, very happy about it. There were happy days ahead because, hey, this bumper crop was ready for harvest. It was just a few days away. But just a couple days before they went to collect it, a terrible wind and hailstorm came up, and the entire crop was destroyed. And what they thought was going to be a bumper crop ended up being absolutely nothing. After the storm was over, the farmer and his wife and boy at his side went to the back porch to view the damage of the fields. And as they looked out, as the boy looked out at what was formerly a beautiful field of wheat, knowing what it meant, he looked up to his dad and he, wanted, he expected to hear words of despair. And all at once, his father started to sing, Rock of Ages, Cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Years later, the boy now grown said these words, the greatest sermon I ever heard was when my dad sang of his trust in God. What kind of example have you been showing? Are you someone that people can follow? Something that your grandkids can follow? Are you someone that's leading people the right way? David was a man after God's own heart. In many ways, he served God in a right way. He was tender about sin, and his son followed in his ways. But there's one area in which David failed God tremendously, and it was in his relationship with women. And you know where Solomon failed God miserably? In his relationship with women. Do you know where Rehoboam failed God miserably? <laughs> A couple different ways. But in his relationship with women. Because people follow their example. What are you patterning? So then we end the message with the word practice. Fathers, today it's a call to learn from Solomon early on. And to do these things, determined to be a father who teaches your children the way of wisdom, good doctrine, the right way. And it's also a challenge to pattern your life that, that you would rejoice if your children walked in your steps. Moms, the message is the same to you as well. Children, it's Father's Day. Don't miss the fact that this instruction in the book of Proverbs was instruction of a father to a child. And, and it's really a great challenge for you to learn good doctrine, to listen to the way of wisdom, to follow it, to guard your words, to let your life become what they ought be for the glory of God. It's great, great challenge. In the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 4, we could probably take any one of the chapters and teach many of the same things. Great lessons today. On Father's Day, challenging, yes, but I hope encouraging as well if you're seeking to do that which is right. May this just be a day, and may our church be a church of people, dads and moms that are just seeking to take the word of God and instill the right things in our children. And for those that don't have them or those that are beyond those days, we still have responsibilities with grandchildren. We still have opportunity to impact people and influence people in the church that we might be the right example for folks that they 
will be encouraged to go on and do that, which is right. Great responsibility, great opportunity. And it, it will be, indeed, a wonderful Father's Day if you will take on the great responsibility God's given you and be faithful. Men, women, be faithful in your calling as well. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Just ask you this this morning uh, a very simple question. Would you say, as you think about and you see Solomon's example, would you just say this morning, you know, Pastor, God just challenged me, maybe as a mom or as a dad, maybe even as a child, just God challenged me today about some things perhaps I need to think through and some things I need to do in order to be well-pleasing to the Lord. And I'm asking God to help me. It might be to be the dad I ought to be. It might be to a, a, a mom, and I ought to be the mom I ought to be. It might be to a child that I'd be the child God wants me to be. If God spoke to me today, would you pray for me? Would any say that by raised hand? God spoke to me today. Wonderful. Great. Glad he did. Excellent. All right, then, then let's ask him to help us live that kind of life and do what God would have us to do and please him as he spoke to our hearts today. Father, I thank you for working and I thank you for the word of God and for this example that we have in scripture for us to learn from. And I pray, Lord God, that you would help everyone who indicated that you worked in their heart to make changes this week in their life, if that be necessary, or to continue on the path that they've already been on. I pray that uh, you would help us all to just see there's a, a world to be uh, and a people to be influenced in that which is right and directed right. And may we do our part and help moms, dads, children, whoever it may be, to be well-pleasing to you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet if you're able right now. Would you do that? With heads bowed and eyes closed, if God spoke into your heart, there's some business you need to do with the Lord. As uh, the piano begins to play, if you need to do business with the Lord, why don't you? Right where you're at. Just kneel down, uh, sit down by your chair, come forward, just spend some time talking to the Lord and determining that you're going to be the kind of person he wants you to be in whatever way he's worked in your heart about today. Why don't you do business with him right now? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth of it. And I thank you for uh, the example laid before us and the instruction that you gave so practically in the word of God to help dads know what they need to do, moms. And may we be very faithful in the responsibility we have, grandparents. And I just pray that, you would, uh, that, that we would be a people who are doing what we ought in our homes, and in this church for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, I pray this. Amen. Lord bless you as you serve him. You're dismissed.